never know. I'm Aaron. <laughs> this is Paul. This is Wayne. Um, and at some point there there might be Andrew. Could you I'm Andrew. <laughs> God, you but I'm busy it. pooping. <laughs> Howdy ho. Uh. <laughs> um, Paul, yes, I uh, I was scrambling around last night trying to figure out what I was going to watch, and uh, I decided that I would watch a movie that has been on my watch list for a very long time. Uh, as well as its, you know, subsequent sequels. It also is a sequel, but, you know, it was I, I, I'd watched the, the first movie, hadn't watched the rest of them. So I last night watched John Wick 2 for the first time, for the first time. Damn, I did not care for that movie. Really? I, it is I not still a very have, good movie. <laughs> I still have not watched any of them because I know the dog dies. Um, John Wick 2 is and, and I've already started watching John Wick 3, by the way. Uh, and John Wick three in the first 15 minutes is already better than the entirety of John Wick two. Yeah. John Wick three is um, pretty baller. I will say. Well, I, I, and you know, here's what bugs me. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a gun foo movie, right? Um, it is, you know, it's all st- sets and stunts and whatnot. Uh, but in John Wick two, it's really the same physical gags over and over and over again, you know, with him, you know, uh, flipping somebody over, getting them in a headlock while he shoots somebody else. I mean, that 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 stunt happens so many times yeah. throughout John Wick 2. And I'm just like, come on. It was all I could do not to fast forward through the film, because if the if the stunts aren't grabbing you in the John Wick movie, there's no story there to hold on to. You know, he's he's out for revenge. <laughs> you know that that's your that's your story that's your character motivation that's your story um i really dislike john wick 2 but what it serves is a, is a bridge to john wick 3 and i'm not done with john wick 3 yet but um halfway through i think i uh, really like john wick 3 i do too i think the thing about john wick 3 which you know not i don't want to pepper your your experience but i do uh-huh. find that the introduction of a larger uh-huh. world in john yeah. wick 3 goes a, a tad too long. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's a whole lot of like touring around the setting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, I, I really enjoyed it. And honestly, I love John wick four as well, but mostly because it has one of my favorite martial arts, uh, art, um, actors, uh, Donnie Yen mm-hmm. is in it. And Wayne, just to connect it, he was one of the, he was the blind, um, Jedi in rogue one. Uh, Oh, he was good. <laughs> yeah. He is. He is the, uh, I don't want to I don't want to say villain, but he is one of the the main characters in uh, John Wick four. And he definitely brings a, a nice gravitas to the role. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I really do like the John Wick films. Yeah, well, I, I so far did not did 50, not 50. so far. You're 50 yeah. 50. Correct. I mean, I like John Wick one. I thought John Wick the first John Wick was great. I really did yeah. enjoy it. But I also realized when I after I finished watching the first John Wick, I'm like, I can't imagine what they're going to do in the rest of these, because, you know, the, the formula is not plot. No. <laughs> the formula is not character development. The formula is we're going to do a whole bunch of really cool physical shit, right? Yeah, it's gun foo, right? It's it like is, a, right. an equilibrium movie with Christian Bale. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's exactly, it. that is what it is. And, you know, so I, that's why I was never particularly, uh, you know, motivated to go watch the sequels, but I was like, damn it, they're on Peacock. I'll watch them. Now I will say, I find this frustrating. Uh, The movies are on Peacock with ads. Mm. And I'm like, I pay for ad free Peacock. Why is it? The movie is available with ads. Now, fortunately they're not the irritating ads. Like you'll get on Pluto TV where, you know, it's, you know, three minutes of, of, uh, of, of pharmaceutical advertisements. Um, these are, you know, Hey, here's, here's another thing you can watch on Peacock and it's like 30 seconds and you're back to it, but it's super frustrating. See, I get frustrated with Paramount plus just doing that at the beginning of a show. Uh huh. Same. Yeah. yeah. Especially when it's like through Halloween and they have all of the, uh, the horror shows they're trying to push uh-huh. and you're sitting down to uh, eat dinner and play a episode of, uh, Star Trek. Right. And then suddenly you get all of this horror and gore thrown at yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of horror and gore, uh, Paul and I watched Finley this week. <laughs> you uh, did watch it. <laughs> I did. I watched it uh, Friday, uh, Thursday night. Nice. Uh, 
Finley is fantastic. It is free to stream on YouTube. It's a, it's a short film about three years old that I had never heard of before. Uh, and the setup is that it's a Chucky style ventriloquist doll come to life. That's got murder on his mind and he is spectacularly bad at it. I thought the movie was hysterical. It I, is a horror comedy, but yeah. you know, do not expect it to only be a comedy. Correct. Correct. Um, I, but thought I really was, enjoyed it. I thought it was buckets of fun and the perfect length uh, yeah. for the gag. You know, I just, I cracked the fuck up when they're doing charades. Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? I'm spectacularly bad at killing people. You're Finley. <laughs> and watching watching the, the, the doll just, you know, boil because they're making fun of him, you know. <laughs> it is just hilarious. it is free. It's free on YouTube. Yeah. F I N L E Y. Definitely yeah. recommend checking it out. Um I have another horror recommendation uh mm-hmm. while we're while we're on the subject. It is PG thirteen. So it is not uh it's not a gory type horror film. Um, but it was definitely, it's super creepy and a bit different than other horror films that I've seen. It's, uh, the name of it is the vigil. It is on, um, it's on Hulu Mm -hmm. and it is about, um, an Orthodox. It it is, (laughs) this is weird. It is an Orthodox Jewish horror movie. Um, Uh and, and the concept is that, uh, they, I, I think it's called a, a shomer, a shomer, um, which is someone when a deceased Orthodox Jewish tradition where when someone passes away, a member of the family sits with their body for the first night oh, to yeah. basically ward off, you know, evil spirits, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but if there's no one to do that in the family, they hire a shomer um, to to do that for them. Uh, and so this is about a, a, a gentleman who has been hired to be a shomer. Um, for someone who lived their life in the pursuit of understanding demons and demonic culture and things like that, um, and the crazy things that happen throughout that evening. And it's only, it's a short film, less than an hour and a half. It is PG 13, so it's not gory, but it really, I found it very fascinating just because of, you know, the, the Jewish culture, which I, I grew up around in, in New York, but, mm-hmm. you know, I was young. Um, but I, I just found it, it, it something different, right, than, than your your typical horror film. It did not go for the gore. It went for the creep factor, kind of like a conjuring or something like that. And just a nice bite-sized, you know, hour and a half. So I, rec- I do recommend checking that out. And what's it called again? The Vigil. And where would I find it? Hulu. Hulu. Okay, um, I'll check it out. Yeah. On the flip side, I also watched Painkiller on Netflix. Um, uh, it, I had heard about it recently. It's directed by Peter Berg, um, who directed like the battleship movie and Friday night lights and, you know, a number of other, um, like lone survivor, a bunch of, bunch of movies, Peter Berg. He's also an actor. Um, and it is, uh, it stars Matthew Broderick and Taylor Kitsch. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Um, and it is about, and David Duchovny's daughter, which came out of left field. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she kind of looks a lot like um, he, she is absolutely half David Duchovny, half Taya Leone. <laughs> Spot on. Is this is this a good thing? No. Okay. Um, but it is. Uh, it, it would be if she didn't have so much Duchovny, because like David Duchovny, is, <laughs> you know, like all I see is like oh. Um, but uh, it is about um, the creation of OxyContin. Content and uh, oh, yeah. you know, Purdue Pharmaceuticals yeah. and yeah. and you know how they basically got away with introducing mm-hmm. you know that op- opioid to the to the general public and oh, yeah. and the court case I've, that ensued. I've heard that's really good. Yeah. It is it is really well done. It, it it just I think one of the things that you know it is a docudrama and I think it leans a little heavy into the docu and a little less in the drama in that when when it ended I'm like. That was good, but it, I didn't feel the emotional impact that I think it wanted me to, um, you know, of of the characters that it follows. But it it's eight episodes. It is well worth watching. But, you know, it's like I said, I, I for me, I was like it was good enough for me to watch without feeling like I was trudging along. I was genuinely interested. But the ending for me was like, oh, OK, well, that ended <laughs> you know. but it's it's on Netflix right now. And, you know, we're, we're powering through all these things, just trying to get them done, because in the next few weeks, I've got Reacher this week. And in two weeks, Aaron, I think December 21st at 7 p.m. Uh-huh, uh-huh, Pacific uh-huh. time. Yeah. Uh-huh. We've got Rebel Moon Part can't, One. Can't wait. 
Yes. I'm going to have to resubscribe to Netflix. See, that's what I thought Paul was about to say was I'm watching all of this stuff so I can cancel Netflix. No, 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 no. Not with Rebel Moon coming up. Um, I am I am so psyched for that film. Um, I really <laughs> I am sure I'm really disappointed, but maybe not. Um, you know, Rebel Moon I, is the new everybody who's seen movie. it says it's fantastic. Yeah. And this is only, you know, it's Zack Snyder. He says there's a two hour, 15 minute version. That's PG-13. He says, you know, sometime in 2024, we'll release the extended version, which I think he says is like three and a half hours. Wow. Um, but apparently people are genuinely enjoying the two and a, two fifteen. Yeah. You know, yeah it's, the, the main difference is more violence. Right. Yeah. You know, it, he says, you know, this was intended to be more family friendly. Yeah. Are I, people enjoying it or are Zack Snyder fans enjoying it that will enjoy anything that he does? I will say that people whose opinion I trust have seen it and are are glowing about it. Um, so I I am very optimistic about how good this movie is going to be. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I have not watched any previews, watched, read any interviews about it. I generally just took the stance of, oh, it's Zack Snyder. I'm probably going to hate it and have not looked into it anymore. It looks very much like a mix between, you know, like the world of Star Wars and the visual flair of Dune. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, the, the way I would the describe Denny it. The Villeneuve uh, yeah. Dune. Yeah. yeah, the new Dune. Yeah, there's there's something I I I felt like uh, watching it. There was there was a a granular quality that felt a little reminiscent of the Pitch Black sequels. Yeah, uh, I could see that. Yeah. Like Riddick. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Riddick. I couldn't, I couldn't think of the name, but you know, the, that is all a groove I really enjoy. In fact, having said that, I think I'm going to have to rewatch all the Pitch Black movies. Now. Yeah, now, now I'm in the mood. <laughs> Even though that most recent one wasn't great, but yeah, you know, still. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm da- I'm there for it. But you know, Paul, I am uh, pretty damned excited. Pretty damned excited. That we've got another Godzilla Kong movie coming in 2024. I had no idea this was coming. This is yeah. This was they really they really filmed they... it under the radar. Yeah. Um. You know, I think the first teaser didn't even come out until like it was already filmed, and I was like, oh man, they filmed we, that entire movie in secret. We are living in a golden age of Godzilla yeah. projects because yeah. you know we've got Monarch Legacy of Monsters. We've got Godzilla minus one, which nobody on this podcast has seen yet, but we all want to see it. And uh, then the Godzilla, uh, what is it called? Is it? I think it's like Godzilla X Kong. Yeah. Or Godzilla and Kong, and then it's I don't know the wor- new world or something like that. Yeah, I, I I can't wait. I cannot wait. I'm so freaking excited for this. And I know you're not caught up on Monarch, Paul, but holy cow, that show is great. Every time that, that every time I finish an episode, I'm like, that is great. How did they you, do that? That is great. <laughs> you know, I'm super excited about the I just the idea of getting another Godzilla Kong movie. But what got me really pumped was watching the trailer and seeing that they're going to be teamed up in this one. Yeah. And seeing them running side by side towards uh, whatever it is they're fighting. I got, I got real strong Rocky three Apollo Creed and Rocky vibes. Right. <laughs> you know what's funny is um so I thought that shot was pretty slick, pretty yeah. well done, pretty exciting, you know, to end uh-huh. a trailer with kind of like the end of the trailer for Avengers Infinity War where all the characters are running at the camera. Apparently people are really not fond of that shot in the trailer. Um, like hardcore, which I find us to be hardcore Godzilla fans, but there are people oh, yeah. who find it a bit silly to see Godzilla and Kong running like in an action movie. I'm like, that is what I want to (laughs) see. Yeah. It got me excited for the movie. Yeah. Let me ask my friend what he thinks about it. He's there for it it too. He's He's there there for it too. too. So, you know, uh, I don't know what what, what people's problem are, you know, uh, problems are. I, uh, I think people just hate good things. I am, I'm stoked. I am loving all the Godzilla content right now, and I cannot wait to, I was, to watch uh, Godzilla minus one. It got same. an extended, extended stay in theaters. That never happens anymore. Yeah, not only did it get an extended stay in theaters, it is now the biggest live action Japanese film in U.S. box office history, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which is crazy to me because it hasn't oh. been out that long. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Yeah. And it's 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 no commentary on uh, my enthusiasm for Godzilla that I haven't seen it. It's a commentary of how busy life is right now. Uh, I just I, but I can't wait to see that movie. Yeah. But with Christmas holidays coming up, I am I'm, I'm, I'm really going to find a way to see it on the big screen over these yep. next few weeks. 
Yeah. Especially because, you know, as far as what's coming out over the holidays, I'm, I'm excited I, to see um, what's the, I, I want to see that Ferrari movie by Michael wow. Mann. Um, but outside of that, I mean, there's I Aquaman. Think, I don't think there's anything coming to theaters I'm interested in this season, which is crazy. Yeah, but I mean, I, I want to see Aquaman and I want to see Ferrari. I, I would say I, I want to see those. But I do I to need to see Ferrari on the big screen? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> well, and I think that the next thing that I'm excited about, I, and I could be wrong, but the, the only movie that I can think of coming up that I'm interested in seeing in theaters is Dune Part Two. That's yeah. it. I mean, I can't. And that that's what? March? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm struggling to think of what the next movie that I'll see in theaters is. Like, I want to see the Iron Claw also. Oh, God, so do I. I, I. I'm dying to see Iron Claw. You know, that's all about the Von Erich family. Yeah. And they were oh, the yeah. wrestling family when I was growing up. They lived right here in DFW. In fact, my grandfather, uh, who owned his own air conditioning company, did the air conditioning for Fritz Von Erich. The, no way. That's funny. Yeah, he did. I mean, and he would come back. He would come back after, you know, being out there at, at the Von Erich estate and just talk about what a nice man Fritz is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is a family. I mean, that the it has to be an incredible story to watch because they are a cursed family. Oh, they, yeah, absolutely. they have went through a lot of shit. I mean, I'm a yeah. super old school wrestling fan. And yeah. like growing up, my sister was a huge fan of the Von Eriks. Yeah, I I will definitely see that one in theaters. I forgot that that was getting that, ready to come out. That was my era of wrestling was mm-hmm. the Von Erich era because it was on Saturday nights at like 11 o'clock on local television. Uh, and I, I always enjoyed watching the Von Erichs. And, you know, I, I, get my, I was stunned when I learned that they had made the movie. They, they premiered it in Dallas uh, several weeks back. And I'm, I'm just I, I can't wait to see it. Do we yeah. do we even know when it's coming out? December 22nd in theaters. OK, so there's a movie I'm excited to see in theaters. And that's a good <laughs> Christmas Day one. You know, like, yeah, you know, Christmas Day for me is like that's where you watch your historically your Quentin Tarantino movies. But, you know, you're kind of like <laughs> Oscar Oscar right. type movies, yeah, not yeah. necessarily your big budget movies. So I, I will definitely be seeing that over the holidays. Yeah. I'm super excited for that one. Yeah. Well, you know, I know we've been talking about movies, but I kind of want to briefly get caught up on a comic book that, for me, reads like I'm watching a movie. Um, and that's the new Transformers book from uh, Skybound and Image Comics from Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. I don't know about you, Wayne. I know we talked about the first issue and how much we enjoyed it, and Aaron yep. was lukewarm on it. So, no, it's no, not no, his jam. Totally not lukewarm. Not lukewarm. <laughs> Just Luke. <laughs> just just cold bitter just cold, cold, cold. <laughs> um i absolutely love this book yeah it's one of those books where it does not like gloss over any of the 80s aesthetics it looks incredibly like the 80s cartoon yet the story is far more modern and updated and the decepticons are vicious yeah and it, it has for me, it reads for me very much like I'm watching a movie. I, you know, I get the same feeling and I, you know, kudos to Daniel Warren Johnson on his storytelling. When I turn the page and Optimus Prime like rips off his own arm and beats Starscream with it, I'm like cheering like I'm watching a movie. Yeah. Well, and one of the interesting things about Optimus in this book is that we were just talking about wrestling He's doing multiple wrestling moves on these Decepticons. Oh, yeah. He does a backdrop on uh, Skywarp in this one. Oh, Skywarp. That's who he's fighting. Sorry. But, yeah, it it's so well done. It is just so well done. So well drawn. If you are not reading this book, if you were on the fence because you were waiting for, I don't know, reviews or whatever, um, it's only three issues in. And it's better than than a Michael Bay Transformer movie. And I like the Michael Bay Transformer movies. And how about if you didn't like the Michael Bay Transformer movies? Then you should read it anyway, Andrew. <laughs> <Yeah. true. laughs> I do not like any of the Michael Bay Transformer movies, and I love the comic. Yeah. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm excited right. at how it's setting up the G.I. Joe stuff, too. Um, you know, in the second issue, we get a, a peak of Duke. And, yeah, that kind of leads into where we start in his series. Yeah, I really like I am not a G.I. Joe guy, but seeing him show up and seeing how they introduced him, I was really interested in the character. And I'm. I will be picking up the Duke series when it comes out. Yeah, same here. I mean, well, I am a train. I am a GI Joe guy, so I was already excited, but I love how they've integrated them together. 
I am much more of a G.I. Joe guy than I am a Transformers guy, so I'm excited yeah. to see. Andrew, this. you sound way different than you sounded earlier. Do I? Like bad? Or Have you been smoking cigarettes? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we introduced the show, you, you said, <laughs> I'm Andrew. Oh. I'm pooping. I think, I'm uh, Andrew. Howdy ho. Uh, so, uh, something dropped, and now suddenly my voice is deeper. So uh-huh. here uh, we are. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> good. Good to be talking to you. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm very excited about a new G.I. Joe book. Well, you know, actually, it's it's great that you you have joined us because we are really, you know, a, a bit of a slower week in comics, you know, as far as stuff we want to talk about. So we wanted to kind of we, we've re- we've recently chatted quite a bit about the issues that the MCU has been having. And, and there's been articles about it and and fan debate about what's what's gone wrong in the marvel cinematic universe and we've already talked about that ad nauseum but i think what you know it's been a while before since we've done a what if we were writing and we what thought if we'd, we were right yeah the next phase of the mcu so you know i'm gonna kick us off please uh, to to no one's surprise uh i would immediately if i were writing the next phase of the marvel universe and when i say next phase i'm talking about right now <laughs> right <laughs> i mean, mean- I, you mean phase five. If you were taking over in the middle of phase five yeah. right from, now. From what we've seen, not what's in the hopper, right? Because, you know, I don't know what's in the hopper. But right. And we don't know that any of that stuff's going to necessarily come to fruition, given all the Jonathan Majors drama. Well, so. I, I wouldn't leave the Jonathan Majors stuff to, to, to lay fallow or rot on the vine. I would instead, and, you know, this isn't going to surprise anybody, which is why I'm going to go first. Um, I would recast John Majors. I would take current actor and you know kill off Kang and have him reemerge in one of his other guises. I am particularly fond of Immortus as well as being fond of uh of uh oh gosh, uh Ramatut. Ramatut, thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I, I like either one of those iterations. I would go with either one, and whichever one I didn't use, I would use later on. But I would go ahead and right freaking now establish that every time his guys changes we change the actor kind of like a doctor who thing. Right. Well, and they, and they all look very different in the comic. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So there, you know, there's no shame in doing that. And that allows you to continue telling the story. Um, I, I would also begin, you know, we know that the fantastic four is coming. Obviously we've got to establish Dr. Doom, but I would also layer in some Avengers stuff. I think we can lean really hard into Fantastic Four. I think there is an opportunity to tell, you know, really great cosmic level stories with uh, the Fantastic Four. But I would also begin layering in some additional uh, Avengers stories. You know, some some you know, one of the beauties of the very early phases of the Avengers is that they just kept layering stuff in. And so if you watched one one non-Avengers movie, you would see a lot of that picked up elsewhere. Well, it, so, it, when you say Avengers, Aaron, who uh-huh. are you envisaging? Well, I'm coming to that. Okay. So in in the Fantastic Four corner of of uh, my MCU, I and I, I would have that be a Silver Surfer Galactus type story. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. But in the background, I would start layering in the Korvac saga. I would start establishing Michael. I would and and you know putting that stuff in New York city and having that sort of layered in where you've got this, this character moving in the background that you start asking questions about like, what the hell is that guy doing? Right. Just like you had in the comics, because that was brilliant back in the day in the original Korvac saga where they just started, you know, you just see this guy in his tennis whites doing shit. And you're like, what the fuck does that have to do with what's going (laughs) on? Right. Um, and this becomes our common thread to get the Avengers back together. Um, it also gives us a link. I would create a link into a different era's Guardians of the Galaxy or a different crew of the Guardians of the Galaxy and start bringing in some of those classic characters. Uh, you know, bring in Vance Astrovic, right? Bring in uh, – 
you know, uh, Charlie Seven and you know some of these other characters to, to start filling out your ranks because you've had so many characters that you've lost from the Guardians. Because you can have them connect with what's going on with Korvac and you can tell the story out of time. And you have that link to Vance Astrovic, who was motivated by the heroism of Captain America. And we bring back Captain America, Chris Evans. You know, we have him come back as old man Cap, and he's involved in putting together a new team of Avengers. And we, you know, start bringing together some of the some of the guys we know, right? You know, so we bring in, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and they they play a piece of it. We bring in Ant Man, etc. But we start establishing new characters on the team, and I'm not really sure who those guys are, but I think we need somebody to fill Iron Man's boots. And uh, I'm not sure that that's Ironheart. Um, I think that her character really didn't take off uh, in the uh, uh, in the Wakanda movie. Um, I, but I, I think you got to fill out those ranks and you spend some time building that over the course of the phase until you get to the actual culmination of what the hell Korvac's doing, a la, you know, cosmic entity. And you bring the Fantastic Four in and you have another great big event because I, I, I will never forget reading that, you know, issue of the Avengers and everybody dies. And, you know, you, you, you've got, you know, there, there is the, the cover has Don Blake performing, uh, you know, chest compressions on, you know, Tony Stark. I mean, everybody dies. And I, I think there is a I think it is a super dramatic. And I can only imagine what that would be like uh, seeing that on the screen. So I would lean into ultimately Korvac Saga. So. Can I go next? Yep. Because mine. Is the complete opposite. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, because for what it's worth, I feel like unless you are heavily invested in the big PowerPoint presentation that Marvel put about what's coming up, you could literally scrap the Kang saga right now. I feel like the 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 ending of Loki. I mean, now let me clarify. I have not seen season two season two of Loki, but based oh. on what I understand of it. It's in a spot where it could stay for a while. We don't huh. need to revisit the Kang in, and as certainly as far as the movies are concerned, we don't need to revisit Kang in any way, shape, or form anytime soon. That that story is in a in a place where it doesn't feel unfulfilled if they just don't continue it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the MCU has lost a sense of stakes, um, and this was already kind of an issue. In the in the Infinity Saga, we we have for anyone who's been listening for a long time, we've long joked about the big hole in the sky being or the Stargate being in every movie. Um, and you know, I think Infinity War and Endgame were so well executed, and and they did actually kill off a few characters that there were some stakes that were felt in those movies. But since then, I don't feel like stakes are real. I feel like. They've said, okay, well, the ga- you know, we had the world in danger, then we had the galaxy in danger, now we have to have the multiverse in danger. And once it gets so big, I feel like you've lost the plot, right? Like, I, especially for the modern audience, for the you know, the the general audience, the multiverse is such a is such a large scale concept that like, who cares if another universe dies, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and we haven't had an investment, an emotional investment in the new characters enough to say. To your point, if they kill them all off via a Korvac saga, I don't know, like, that a yeah, lot of tears will be shed. You'd care if Cap is there. You do care you'd, if Cap is you'd, there. You'd care if the Falcon is there. But I'll tell uh, you, here's where I'm going with this. Because I, I see your point. For me, I would actually lean completely away from the multiverse, completely away from space-level stuff. And I would take, based on what's, you know, in the hopper, the one thing that I would keep is Daredevil. I would first of all shorten it from a 20 episode thing to a 10 episode thing because clearly are they, they doing play, 20 episodes on yeah Daredevil? it was supposed to, it's supposed to be a 20 episode series which for me feels kind of silly considering they had to go back to the drawing board feels like a good time to like hey maybe we should maybe we should you know <laughs> figure tighten out it what, up what a little. yeah tighten it up a little but I would use that Daredevil series to start setting up. And this is kind of funny because I'm reading and this is obviously inspired by the fact that I'm reading Gang War for Marvel Comics, but start establishing New York and the gang war and the gangs and all the threads of different potential, um, you know, 
like gang or you know mob leaders and gang leaders throughout New York. So you're, you've got your, you can set up your start starting up in the background, not necessarily as a forefront. Start setting up your tombstone. Start setting up you know um, uh, Hammerhead. You know start setting up all those characters in that universe as you know kind of side threads, and then start leading into start bringing the movies down to earth. Make you know New York the central component. You've already got Spider-Man in New York. You could probably bring a Daredevil or a Punisher to a cinema. You know, we know Blade is in production. You can have Blade. You can have, you know, the vampire. And ultimately, start building up these street-level heroes. Your Ghost Riders, your, you know, all these heroes. I would lean away from Fantastic Four. I would lean away from from starting that up. And I would actually basically start at your street-level characters. Because that's ultimately what grabbed people from Marvel in the first place, is how relatable these characters were. And so I would start going back to relatable street level characters start building up this thread of potential you know of this build up to a gang war and i would actually ultimately you know start reintroducing luke cage spider woman um jessica drew no that's the same person um jessica jones um you know start start building up those threads leading up to instead of your avengers infinity war your big culmination is your gang war featuring the new avengers um, you know, the lineup that we loved in comics from Bendis and, and Stuart Amonin. So you've got your Spider-Man, your Luke Cage, your Doctor Voodoo. You know, I think Spider Woman was in that. And you know, so you have a little, you know, a little bit of a thread of the supernatural or, or the super heroic, but most of them are really more street level characters. And you have those new Avengers trying to save New York from this gang war that could tear it all apart. And I feel like that brings the stakes to a level where at least I would feel more invested in what's happening. Um, and that's something that I would love to see, you know, and that's one of the things that when we first started reading this amazing Spider-Man book, the thing that first grabbed, I think Wayne and I, and maybe Andrew was this gang aspect to it, you know, the tombstone stuff. And once they leaned away from that, we lost interest. And it's like, I really do love that stuff. And I feel like an, a modern audience would, would like that stuff too, more so than they're liking the multiverse. So that's what I would do with them. And, and, you know, you can still have like news stories in the background and credit sequences that start setting up, reestablishing your, your fantastic fours, you know, what's going on out in space with Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel and stuff like that. But I would genuinely make like the next three to four years all about building up this large scale gang war in New York and all this and setting up the new Avengers, um, you know, the, the Brian Bendis new Avengers. So you don't like the idea of doing both at the same time. You don't I like don't. the idea of working on the street level, you know, line of movies as well as the cosmic level of movies. I feel like part of it is, and here's the thing. I like your idea. It's not like I don't like your idea. <laughs> Let me clarify. Um, for me, no, I'm I just, think- yeah, I'm just trying to, to to understand, you know, you don't think we can do both at the same time. I don't. Or should do both at the same time. I don't think we should because I feel like it's at this point we've gotten to the saturation level that I think they're I think they need some focus and I think they need to focus on one main thing. Um, and for me, you know, I would say one or the other. But when you focus on both, you're kind of dealing with what we're dealing with now, which is like, what the hell does Eternals have to do with anything? What does you know what well, what the know, hell these... does eternals have to do it's a great movie about the pathos of immortality <laughs> so uh for me what i had the idea for is well first of all you have to deal with what you've already got out there and start dealing with the the king stuff you can't just ignore it i would like to see all of that kind of wrapped up though because i think it was ended up being a misstep uh, I would I want to see a young Avengers movie with Iron Lad, which is a you know young version of Kang, bring together the new team by having the currently whoever the Avengers are getting their butts kicked by Kang and Old Man Cap as well as Iron Lad put together this new team of the next generation to deal with the situation and when that movie ends. An energy wave washes over the world, activating the mutant genes that are already in everyone. Then I like the idea of imprint movies. So you would have your movies that are the Midnight Suns movies that are on the more horror side. 
and actually have an imprint on them be instead of just being you know mcu ghost rider it would be midnight suns ghost rider and put those movies in one corner then have a new guardians movie with some new characters and during the course of it you have galactus not as the villain as a one of the things they encounter is galactus eating a world the threat is out there Start working in the Fantastic Four into some of these movies. Start bringing the X-Men in as into some of the movies now that you have mutants activated. All leading up to Galactus coming and being the big villain for the phase. That you show bits and movies to show that he's getting closer. You know, like after credit scene, another planet get eaten out there somewhere. Leading up to Galactus showing up on Earth and the heroes that are left having to come together to deal with him. From that point on, though, the next phase should be focused on X-Men things, building up to a big X-Men universe crossover, something to the level of Age of Apocalypse or uh, Inferno, something big, but also involving the other heroes and not just the mutants. Keeping Keeping separate the imprints, like, the Midnight Sun stuff does not have to tie into the big right. the big crossover. It can have its own sub-crossover, building to something with, say, Dormammu that they have to deal with. Move Doctor Strange into the Midnight Suns, Ghost Rider, Blade. Yeah, so talk to me about your, your Galactus. Is, is Galactus a great big giant guy who eats planets? No, no it's a big cloud. It's got to be a that's big what, cloud. No, I, I was trying to figure out if Wayner's a cloud guy. No, <laughs> great big giant guy. Like just just like the Eternals, except we're going to ignore everything that happened in Eternals because that movie was terrible. <laughs> well, it was an awful movie. Um, so good. <laughs> such a good movie, guys. <laughs> You're the burn under my saddle, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be there. <laughs> yeah. The key, though, to me is to start introducing things in other movies. You know, have the have Galactus out there eating things. Bring Reed Richards in when you need a scientist, whether he has his powers yet or not. Just start introducing the characters, and that's how you're going to get that feel of things being connected again. You've got to make people care about these characters before their movie, because well, right think, now they're not doing that. I think one of the ways I mean, I can I can kind of envision an after credit scene with, uh, you know, coming in on Alicia Masters sculpting something. You know, you realize that she's she's blind and she's sculpting the thing for the first time. You know, I mean, and, you know, you could follow Alicia in these after credit scenes and have the, the 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 one that leads up to the big, you know, confrontation with Galactus, you know, starting with uh, the, an after credit scene where the Silver Surfer shows up, you know, actual Silver Surfer on a surfboard. Uh, I, I mean, I think you, that the, that that would stage really well and it would get people connected with the personal side of the FF and not just the core family, but the people who make up the extended family of the FF. Yeah. And I could still see a period piece for the fantastic four for their mm-hmm. origins, mm-hmm. but have them have been not public figures until yeah. Galactus shows up. This right. is what brought them into the spotlight. Agreed. Because I the like Avengers in- are, yeah, the Avengers aren't there. So now the fantastic four has to step in. I like your imprint idea. Um, I, I, I think it's something that's really missing and uh, something that's not been done well in Marvel is, you know, carving out those various corners uh, of the Marvel universe. I, you know, I think that, you know, television movies would be great for the midnight. Yeah. Sons. I was about to say, I feel like the, that's the, for the imprint for me, that's the opportunity to actually d- do something with Disney plus that. Yeah. You know, cause you can have an imprint that's not necessarily like the people who watch the movies don't also have to watch it. It's, it's a separate right. thing. Yeah. It's informed by, but not dependent on. Well, and I like the idea of a different showrunner for those, right? Somebody that can focus on just that corner of the universe and not yeah. the big picture. Well, yeah, I, go ahead, go ahead, no, I was just going to say I'm there for it. Wayne, Andrew. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with some of what you guys said, disagreed with other parts of what you said, particularly regarding the Eternals. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I do feel like the multiverse was a bit of a misstep, you know, for for much like bringing back uh, Tony Stark. I, I think it would be a mistake. You know, us who are, are in the comics culture have grown up reading comics for us. These types of things, uh, shenanigans are, are, you know, what we read every week. But for the general 
uh, movie and television watching populace. I think it's confusing and puts people off and it makes it too complicated for people to get in. People are like, you know, how many movies do I have to watch to understand Endgame, right? It, that's too much time. And then once you've added in so starting phase four, when you add all the TV television series on, you're also then not just talking about movies. You're talking about uh, so much time watching streaming services, which you also have to purchase separately. So, you know, what I would do is I would uh, take a step back. I would start focusing uh, on smaller stories with individual teams so those teams could be things you guys have already mentioned uh young avengers uh you know love that idea fantastic four we know is coming midnight suns uh thunderbolts uh west coast avengers you know teams that are not, don't have that much history behind them um and then just start telling stories and maybe have a little cameo maybe have a little interconnection between these different stories but you know overall kind of keep them in their own areas in, in their own continuity and that way you can start small you can focus on individual characters like they did in phase 1 uh and start to have people uh, develop connections to them um and that kind of goes along uh, the other part of that is to just to decrease the amount of total content they're putting out altogether mm-hmm. uh they need to stop uh, putting out so many disney plus series i like them i've watched all of them so far except secret invasion but they need to (laughs) (laughs) but they need to to just uh turn that knob a little bit and slow down the output and that will give them more time to work on the cgi that has been an issue at times okay Uh, i I want to pitch you okay on bringing tony stark back no, uh, oh, look. Okay, I, I, let, let, let me finish. Let, let me, me let me finish, and then you okay. can pitch me. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let okay. me get to the end of this, and then and then yes, we can have that talk. Uh, yeah. So and then you know you have these different stories. You know you have the FF working, and you know they could run into Rama Tut. That was a classic villain for for the yeah. Fantastic Four. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to completely chuck the Kang stuff out the window, but you know tune it down a little bit. Have it just be that can be in the the Fantastic could, Four books. Could, they can be dealing be with a that. recurring villain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and not this huge multiverse spanning saga that I think right. they have in mind currently. Uh, and then when you get to phase six, uh, instead of doing, you obviously drop Kang Dynasty. And instead of doing something like Avengers Secret Wars 2015, do Avengers Secret Wars 1984. So you have all these different people. You have the X-Men, Midnight Suns, Thunderbolt. They're all doing their own thing and their own stories that we've all gotten a, a, a touch. And then suddenly they're all ripped along with their villains from their normal lives that that they've established over the course of a couple of years uh, and, you know, deposit on this strange alien world. And then you got yourself some uh, 1984 secret wars in phase six. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's I can tell point. Aaron's. Yeah. I can tell Aaron's just waiting for me to, 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 to okay. pause. Go ahead. So Aaron. one of our in, in credit scenes uh-huh. cuts to, you know, a, a, an, an ICU ward somewhere, a private ICU <laughs> ward. Right. Uh-huh. And, you know, we see we don't see uh, we don't see the face on the body. Right. But, you know, it's it's like, do you think it's going to work? There's all this conversation about, you know, it's experimental and, you know, God knows what could what are we doing here? Yada, yada. And, and you know, they all it does is the, the last scene is it cuts to the person's chest and it's got that, you know, Tony Stark, you know, power module there in the right. center of his chest and it lights yeah. up and it cuts. Okay. So that's all you've got there in that end credit scene. Yeah. And then Tony Stark comes back in the midnight suns as a monstrous villain that the midnight suns have to fight. Are you picturing that's- him as a zombie or uh-huh. like- it's the beginning of Marvel zombies. Okay, it, that would be a scenario that I, that I would accept if he came yeah. back as an undead zombie type thing. Uh-huh. Uh, sure, that, that supernatural it, element. Okay, and it gives I, you I still, uh, it gives you some great meta conversation, like you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. out there saying, "Well, you know, Marvel finally convinced me with the script that made sense for Tony Stark to come back." You right. know, and so you do all of that, and it's you know, kind of shifting. Everybody thinks that it's going to be in the next Avengers movie. But he's in the Midnight Suns. And yeah, no, <laughs> I just don't want him coming back as Iron Man, as the traditional Tony Stark that we Iron got. Zombie. Yeah, yeah, no, if he's going to be zombie and this is the start of Marvel <laughs> zombies, like especially if it's like a what, you know, that, that'd be perfect yeah, yeah. for a what if story. Mm-hmm. One of the what if episodes, because uh, they've already, you know, introduced Marvel zombies there. Yeah, but it would be Marvel zombies in the 616. 
True. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, all right. Well, in the in that you know fringe niche scenario, that would that would be acceptable to me. <laughs> yeah. In that super <laughs> unlikely scenario. Uh huh. Yeah. I just don't want him coming back as part of it because yeah, there's just <laughs> I think the stakes for the stakes to be real, much like Paul was saying, for the stakes to be real, you got to leave people dead. And yeah, it also agreed. makes more sense with actor. You know, this isn't comic books where you're you can always just draw the same hero over and over and they never age. Uh, and they never change, you know, dealing with the real life human actors. Yeah, you got to be able to shuffle them off, let them die, uh, make it dramatic, make it meaningful to the, the viewers, the fans, but then let them be dead. And I, I neglected to share in mind that, you know, while we've got old man cap, you still have a mortis or Ramatut at play, which allows for time manipulation and de-aging old man cap. So you get this robust, fully formed, you know, young Chris Evans back, and then you have him die in the Korvac saga, you know, mm. a- again, hitting the stakes and really giving uh, a-, a heroic end to the character. And, and, you know, having enabled you to revisit that character, because, you know, all we all we hear about him now is that he's up on the spaceship. So yeah, I, I like you're... all four yeah. of our of our pitches, and I think they could all work together in one way, shape or form. Yeah, I think Andrew hit on something of uh, they have way too much content. They've done too many hours. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But I think part of that isn't necessarily that it's too much content. It's that they tried to make all of the content matter and be part of the same thing. Yeah. I think they could have done that level of content if they would have done it as imprints that don't touch each other. Like the street level stuff here, the you know cosmic stuff here, things like that. The beauty of the Marvel Universe when it was first created was that everything happened in the same world, right? And so you would have a, an issue of Spider-Man, and then you know, off in the background, something with the Fantastic Four was going on. And I think you can still do that. It just doesn't have to make, mean that Spider-Man is front and center over in the Fantastic Four movie. You know, it's just a hey, you know, what was that giant foot that just came through New York City? You know, uh, I, I think that I, I think that you can you can still knit these things together where they're, where they feel a part of a piece, you know, and they're referring to what happened in the other movie, but they don't have to be dependent on one another. It's just flavor. Yeah. That's yeah. my thought. Yeah. Well, I'd watch any of these guys. Yeah. Agreed. So. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, sadly, none of our ideas will be <laughs> put into production over <laughs> the next week. What? However, Get Kevin Feige on the phone. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the the I am hotline is going to get a call from Kevin Feige. I think he's going to want to bring us on as a uh, creative consultants this clearly. this week. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, we'll, well if we, it would if we actually had one. <laughs> on the email, he's he's, he's going to send us an email. Gonna, yeah, he's going to send us an email. We'll, we'll give you that address here in a minute, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, next week in comics. Start with Marvel. Marvel, we get the latest issues of Silver Surfer Rebirth Legacy from Ron Mars and Ron Lim, as well as the continuation of J. Michael Straczynski's Captain America book from DC Comics. We get the latest issues of Action Comics, Batman and Robin, Batman Gargoyle of Gotham, and the final issue, so maybe it'll be collected and I can finally read it, of Danger Street from Tom King. Because I read the first issue and I realized, hmm, I'm just going to wait for this one to be collected. Um, also, a book that we didn't talk about this week, but I rather enjoyed. Um, it's weekly uh, through December. Jeff Parker's um, Batman, Santa Claus, Silent Night. It's just like a four-part Batman and Santa Claus versus Krampus book, but it's surprisingly good because, of course, it's friend of the podcast, Jeff Parker. Um, and from Dark Horse Comics, we have Hellboy's Winter Special, The Yule Cat. And from IDW, we get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin 2. Um, starting next week. The last Ronin two. That seems like a little bit of a right? misnomer there, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the they the should have called the last, last the the, ne- yeah, the next to last Ronin. <laughs> yeah, because uh-huh. with well with the last series they did, it went back and gave the basically the origin of how he be- had become the last Ronin. Correct. Yeah. So I guess now we're gonna see moving forward. Well, they ended it with um new. New Ninja Turtles, um, you know, kind of being created. So I think that's probably what we'll uh, what we'll be dealing with in, in this one. But then would he really be the the last if he's raising the next generation? Well, they wouldn't be Ronin because they'd be together. 
Hmm. We'll I don't know. He wouldn't. <laughs> Why are you asking? Why are there so many questions? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Good question. All right. We'll find out have next you, week. Have you guys seen the trailer for Mary Batman? No, but no. I do. I But it, it's coming soon, isn't it? It's already on. You can watch oh. it right now on Prime. What uh, is this? It is an animated feature. Uh, it's oh. Christmas time at Wayne Manor. And uh, Batman you know, leaves on a mission, leaving his son behind, you know, son being Damien and, uh, Damien winds up having to fight all of the Gotham villains on his own, uh, at awesome. Christmas time. Uh, on Pro- uh, Max, you said it's on prime, but yeah, this is one prime. of those things that, right. uh, they lost, you know, Max sold the rights to, to make some money. Yeah. They sold them to prime. It is an hour and a half long. It is an actual yeah. movie. And it I is, it is a, uh, it is a different animation style. Uh, it is, oh, yeah. it, it is uh, very different. It's not your typical Warner Studios uh, uh, DC animation. And huh. I did not care for the trailer. I thought the trailer looked terrible. Uh, yeah. But I also feel like it was aimed at an extremely younger audience. Uh, oh. It was not your your, your usual uh, um DC heroes audience. But anyway, I, I it's I, kind I, of like a Mad Magazine. Um, yeah. Almost, uh, yeah. Art oh, that, style. That's yeah. less exciting. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you're looking for something else to watch for the holiday fair, something to put you in that Christmas spirit, just the other night watched for the first time the movie Silent Night, uh, star mm. starring um, oh shoot, uh, the guy from Stranger Things, Crimson yeah. Guardian. Um, oh yeah, Silent uh, Night. Yeah, Silent Night. Uh, John Leguizamo's in it. Uh, <laughs> it's a very good movie. I wasn't expecting a lot, and yeah, it, boy, I found it uh, quite quite good. I've been wanting to see that one. Yeah, I yeah. think that's on. It's on one of the streaming services I saw. It is. That's where we saw it. It was on. Um, uh, I want to say Paramount. Yeah, it, but it's out there. You can find it. Google Google it up. You you can uh, easily ex- access it that way. Well, hey, we want to know what holiday films you're watching. We want to know how much you hate the Eternals. Give us a shout at <laughs> ideologyofmadness at gmail dot com. And if we use your comment on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. And if you are Kevin Feige, you can hit us up on that, or you can reach out to us on social media, I-O-M Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or X. What a deal. Well, I think we're done. We're done talking to you people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it was good good, good to see you guys. (laughs) Happy Advent. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.